The Blitz Period is a production of BNM Media and brought to you by Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter. Welcome back to the Blitz Period. Jalen Ross here uh, today. We're going to talk a little bit about the BYU game, the TCU game coming up, and then a little bit about um, whatever's going on with, uh, I guess, some stuff that's out there with Jeff Levy as far as his name being thrown in the bucket for some head coaching jobs and what I think happens with that. And then uh, the Big 12 Championship and all the weird and wonky scenarios that are out there that a lot of you've asked me about. And uh, I'm going to just kind of get it figured out here on the show. So uh, looking back at BYU, Oklahoma limps out of Provo with a 31-24 victory. And and look, it was a weird game. I mean, it was um, <clears throat> defensively just a lot of just overall they won the game. So I don't want to say that it was just an overall terrible performance from the defense because uh, quite frankly, they kept them in it. I mean, Billy Bowman's interception they don't win the game without it. And uh, BYU, I mean, obviously, if he doesn't get that pick, you know, BYU scores on that drive uh, probably eight times out of ten. So, uh, first off, God bless Billy Bowman. But anyway, uh, let's just talk a little bit about a little bit defensively. So, um, up front on the D-line, just a weird game. I mean, they uh, – <coughs> oh, excuse me. Listen, I struggle to find – uh, why this unit doesn't have any consistency right there right now. And look, they have their moments. Um, you know, they haven't been great getting to the quarterback this year. Uh, but, you know, they're exceptional and all that goal line stuff. Like, they, they have their moments. This past Saturday just was, was I mean, they got pushed around. Um, guys getting in their chest. Pad level was bad. Uh, I mean, they had a few plays. Jo- Jonah Laulu, I think, got after uh, Rhett's laugh on one play. Uh, Danny, St- well, okay, I'm talking about the D line. So, but Danny Stutzman did have a, a sack in the game, but it was he's a linebacker, obviously, so that doesn't count for the D line. Um, it's just something about it, and I know Gabe Eichert said this earlier. It's just something about this D line on the road where they just kind of fall flat in their faces. I, I don't know what the issue was. Because here's the deal, BYU, quite frankly, has probably the worst O-line in the Big 12. They don't have a very good run game. And this is a unit that ran for over 200 yards on this defense. And they looked incredible on Saturday. I, I take it as, as this, that that I, I feel like this has to be a case because it's, it's week, what is it? This is what, week 11? So... My only thing I can think of is that BYU must have pulled out some stuff that Oklahoma hadn't seen on tape because it just it, it was just a little wonky. Like I, I talk about the the the, the D line, and and even and I don't want to like completely bash the D line because I don't think they definitely weren't the worst unit on the field Saturday. I mean, quite frankly, the linebackers unit as a whole was awful on Saturday. Um, poor fits in the run game, uh, not reading their keys well. Looking a little bit lost in coverage, didn't really do well in the underneath stuff that that BYU tried to run. Uh, obviously, like I said, the run game they couldn't stop anything uh, at the right moments. And, I mean, they did get some stuff here and there, but you know, <clears throat> it wasn't 
it wasn't anything to go riding on the mountain about. Um, and that's every guy across the board. I mean, Danny Stutzman, um, I know he was he was playing a little bit under the weather, so I'm not going to kill him. Um, Kobe McKenzie had his moments. Kip Lewis just wasn't really a factor in this game at all. Uh, and then Jaron Canick, I mean, look, he, it's obviously he's got a lot he's got a lot of growing to do as a linebacker. And I don't want to just completely kill the unit because, like I said, I mean, you know, BYU probably threw some things at them that they weren't expecting. And and part of that go, I haven't watched BYU a lot this year, so I don't know if that option stuff that they do is like a, a, a the base of their offense, which I don't think so because Redslef is the backup, and their starter is more of a pocket guy, not a runner. So it tells me that some of this option stuff must have been brand new because that's another place where they got lost. And typically, with a D lineman, they teach you. If you are, if you're, if you're an a D end, if you're the edge man, right? So if you're like an Ethan Downs, pretty much. When you run the option, they teach you don't run upfield because if you run upfield, that's where you get lost. You run upfield, that's when the quarterback zooms right by you, or whatever the case may be. Or you run upfield and they run the little like speed options and, uh, you know, the straight pitches and not like the not like the kind <clears> of, <throat> excuse me, not like the traditional options. It's it's law as a D lineman. They teach you don't run upfield. And there was some of that. And so what that tells me is that, you know, maybe because at the end of the day, I think all this goes back to preparation. When you talk about, you know, not reading your keys, you talk about missed fits. Well, I say that. I mean, most of that goes back to preparation and the other just comes from either thinking too much or just being plain lost. And to me, it's just a result of them kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit more. And it just gets weird because it's like, again, it's week 11. And, you know, you shouldn't be having some of these issues at this point, especially with the talent that you've got there. I mean, I struggle to think that Danny Sutzman doesn't know how to read his keys. I struggle to think that Jaron Kanick doesn't know that. I struggle to think that Kip Lewis doesn't know that when – these are three guys who have been outstanding this year. Canik has struggled up, up and has been up and down at times, but Kip Lewis in the times that he's played, he's been fantastic, and he should be on the field at all times for this defense. Kobe McKenzie has been great when he's been on the field, but for some reason this past Saturday things were just weird, and I, you know, even, like Danny Stutzman was almost out for this game because he was dealing with some food poisoning and all that crap. But by any means necessary, he was going to play. But, I mean, that's another thing where, like, you see communications off. And this is a thing we talked about last year. You know, I, we talked about it, I'm pretty sure, on this podcast a lot of, I mean, you know, there was a lot of confusion. Guys just looked lost. And that's what that was. And, and they're thinking too much is what I used to say. This, this past week, it looks like everything's just kind of out of order. I mean, you've got, you know, D linemen looking around. They're not really, they're not getting the calls from their linebackers, which typically that's how it works. Uh, and I don't know, maybe they're just, you know, it's just a case of you're, you're in your head too much. And, you know, up front on the D line, I mean, you had moments where guys are getting caught peeking. As BV would say, they're getting caught being nosy. And that's where you get beat. I mean, too many points on Saturday. It just looked like a it looked like a Chinese fire drill, because you're not getting calls in. You're missing your fits again, and like, like 
I mean, even BV said it last night that, you know, it's not just the fact that the D-line was just not good. It was the fact that you got one or two guys at linebacker that just aren't fitting well. And then that kind of looks bad on the D-line. And, you know, it's all out of whack. But, look, bottom line is this for this one. TCU, without question, a more talented unit across the board uh, offensively than BYU. I mean, like I said, BYU doesn't have a great run game, doesn't have a great online, and they looked fantastic this past weekend. TCU, way more skill up front on the O-line, way better skilled players. Uh, they've got a freshman quarterback that they're starting in, Josh Hoover, who he's not really good with his feet, so you're not really going to have to worry about QB run game. But you, you've got a unit coming in. I mean, they've got a 1,000-yard rusher in Imani Bailey, so they run the ball really well. And they're going to have their work cut out for them. I mean, I'm not saying TCU is going to have the same thing they had last year. They're not going to come out and put 50 on the OU defense. But it is a better test than BYU. It's a better unit overall than BYU. And look, it, it's it's obvious they've got a lot to fix this week. I mean, and, and thankfully, the stuff is correctable. Like I said, I mean, it's it's not easy stuff. It's not easy. It's I mean, it's easy to sit up here and talk and say that, oh, well, they didn't do this well. They didn't do that well. It's not stuff that's easy, I mean, but it's stuff that at that position, it's kind of linebacker one-on-one. It's, you know, D-line one-on-one. It's kind of the basics, if you will, of your position. I mean, they teach you, you know, your keys and stuff. Now, obviously, kind of also depends on the offense, but in a base situation, you learn that stuff at the beginning of the year. So uh, it's stuff they can fix, but it just kind of, you know, makes me scratch my head a little bit. These are the issues we're talking back in week 11. So uh, offensively, solid performance. Um, you know, before Dylan Gabriel went down, I thought that he was he was okay. Um, and, and we'll get into that later as far as what that looks like this week for him. But, um, you know, Another week where they kind of went away from the QB run game. Um, you know, and I, I thought Gavin Sawchuk ran the ball really well this week. He was, you know, kind of the the key for that offense. I mean, he put the put the icing on the cake for them to win the game, and he really helped a lot in getting Jackson Arnold settled in in the second half. Uh, but uh, Jaden Gibson was outstanding in his the two big plays that he had one that that one that led to. His touchdown, or yeah, I think his touchdown was on that same drive. No, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Had a big catch on that drive. Nick Anderson scores. Then the next drive, Jaden Gibson scores. So uh, there's that. And look, we're we're always going to bang the table for Jaden Gibson to get more get more burn. I mean, I'm I'm not. I think that that needs to happen uh, without question. Uh, up front on the O line, Caden Green was was another week where uh, he was really good, but also had you know, his freshman moments. I mean, uh, BYU has a D, had a D-line that was pretty experienced. And, um, but, you know, he was pretty physical, um, had a lot, had a few key moments in this game and was a big part of getting the run game going. Now, I know people have asked a little bit about Tyler Guyton and what was going on with that. And uh, I know BV said that he was available or something like that. I take it as Jacob Sexton just had a better week. 
I don't know if that was the case, if he just had a better week in practice and they said, hey, we're going to put you out there. I know there are people out there saying that Guyton maybe just didn't like quit on the team, but he kind of shut himself down and said, I'm going to get ready for the draft. I don't know if that's the case. We'll see. I mean, uh, you know, we'll see what's up with all that this week. Uh, as far as the Dylan Gabriel stuff, and I'll talk a little bit about Jackson Arnold here in a few. Uh, as far as the Dylan Gabriel stuff, uh, uh, Britt Venable said that he will be available this week. And, you know, as far as we know, that could just be a ploy. I mean, I, I just I remember, you know, last year when Gabriel got hurt against TCU before they played Texas. I'm pretty sure Gabriel warmed up before the game. Matter of fact, that is true. He did, because I remember seeing him in pads warming up before the game. And that was kind of just gamesmanship to make Texas think. Now, that was a little bit different because, you know, that concussion was was terrible. I mean, he it was clear he wasn't going to play in that game. But he still went out for warm-ups, went through all the stuff, and then obviously didn't play. This week, <laughs> I take it as... Either Gabriel actually is available, and and I think about it like this. I mean, look, this is this is his last game on Owen Field. I mean, I know people uh, are kind of trying to buy into the conspiracy that he's coming back next year. I don't think he is. I don't think he needs to. He, it'd be worthless, really, to do it uh, unless he just you know wants to rally the troops in the SEC. I don't know. More power to him if that's the case. But uh, it's safe to say this is his last game at Owen Field, and I think. That, quite frankly, he deserves to to go out with a bank. I mean, he deserves to to play and, and, and play in front of this crowd one last time. I mean, like we talked about, the Texas game earlier this year, that, that makes him a legend in OU history. And people are going to remember him uh, for a very, very long time because of that final drive in that moment. And it's, you know, depending on where the program goes from here, can be seen as like that game is really seen as the start of something special in the Brent Venables era. So, you know, he deserves to go out with some love. And if he truly is available to actually play Friday, great, awesome. I hope he balls out. It's a little bit weird because, like, typically concussion protocols and all that stuff, they take about six or seven days, so a full week. And obviously, this is not a full week for Oklahoma. I mean, they practiced on Sunday night, you know, the day after the game. So, uh, it's a little bit weird when you're operating that way. And I know that uh, BV kind of, he defined it as an upper body injury. I mean, it if obviously it looks like a concussion, just the way his head hit the, hit the ground. So, um, you know, again, I, I take it as maybe it's just a ploy to make TCU think that, uh, he will indeed be the guy. And to me, I would I would think of it as if Jackson Arnold is operating under the impression that he is the guy this weekend. And yes, they do. I mean, they, they do give the twos a lot of reps in practice just because of those situations. I mean, I look just to kind of shift over into Jackson Arnold talk. I thought the kid played well Saturday, just about as well as he could in that moment. I mean, you know, you can't ask the world of the guy. I know he's a five-star guy and he's this and that and the other, but he literally got thrown into the fire in that situation. And, you know, it, I don't know if Jackson operates 
in every game under their mindset of, you know, I got to be ready if my time comes kind of thing, which, I mean, typically you would expect. But then you also have those guys that are like, yeah, I ain't playing today. That's kind of how they think. Uh, but he came in. Obviously, you could tell he was nervous. I mean, the first drive, he had a few misses, had a miss on the Tommy Walker screen. Um, you know, the the ball to to uh, to Nick Anderson. That's just like that's a chemistry thing. That's something that they're going to work through on a day to day basis. Um, but like I said earlier with Gavin Sawcheck, I think them getting the run game going helped him a lot, helped his confidence a little bit. And he was able to just look, all they're asking the kid to do is just go out and seal the deal. And he did it. Um, the ball to Jalil Farouk, not, not the one that everybody's talked about where he audibled uh, to the slant or whatever, but the ball to Jalil Farouk, I think that was on, I can't remember the down and distance, but uh, it was a beautiful ball. It was a beautiful ball. Uh, just the way that he kind of, he, he, pretty much led Farouk to where he needed to be on that play. And uh it was just it was a great throw from a true freshman. Um but I thought he I thought he was good. And 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 if this is the week where we, you know, kinda usher in the Jackson Arnold era, if you will, he's got a chance to have a big game. Um TCU defensively is not just, you know, knock your socks off. And I you know, I feel like with what Arnold can provide for this offense. I mean, he offers a lot in the QB run game as well, just like Gabriel does. Um, I think that, you know, he's got what it takes to lead him to a win. And, um, and it's a tough road because again, he is a true freshman. I mean, if he is the guy this weekend, he's going to make mistakes. He might throw a pick or two. He might do something stupid. You just got to expect it. I mean, it was the same thing we saw with, you know, a freaking generational talent in Caleb Williams as a true freshman. He had his moments. I mean, he, you know, quite frankly, lost the game in Waco for them that year. Um, you know, it happens to the best. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that all goes. I mean, I, I'm not really too sure, you know, just when, when you say that they'll be available, you're not necessarily saying the guy's going to play. So uh, it just means he's alive and well and that, you know, maybe he does very well go through warmups and then he doesn't even try it out on the first drive. We'll see. Uh, but... Kind of show slowly sifting over to uh, just some. I know a lot of the talk, talk. Oh my gosh, I, I was going to say topic and talk. I didn't know what I was spewing out. But anyway, uh, kind of the talk of the week a little bit has been what's the Big 12 championship scenario and uh, is Oklahoma in it? And, you know, listen, this, this, all this weirdness and wonkiness could be avoided if, you know, they just went in Lawrence or, or Stillwater. I mean, one or the other. Uh, but the first thing it looks like has to happen is Oklahoma State has to lose. Well, first off, Oklahoma obviously has to win Friday. And, uh, you know, look, uh, TCU's not anywhere near what they were last season. I mean, they're five and six. They're fighting for bowl eligibility this weekend. But um, it is another case of a team that if you lay down, they will run you out of the stadium. And, Anyway, Oklahoma's got to win this weekend first. Anyway, Oklahoma State's got to beat or has got has to lose to BYU. That game's in Stillwater, and if BYU plays the way they did this weekend or last weekend, hey, you know you might have action. Uh, and then Texas has to beat Texas Tech, which you know I, I it's weird because I think that game's on Friday too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's 
Texas should win that game. I mean, I I don't I don't think that Tech's going to pull it off. But now that game's in Austin. I'm pretty sure because I think last yeah th- that game is in Austin. So it's not like they're going to have to worry about you know Friday Night Lights in Lubbock, which in that case I would perk my eyebrows a little bit. But it's in Austin, so I that should happen. Texas should beat Tech. So basically, be a BYU fan this weekend. Um, that would automatically put OU in the championship. Now, I don't know who they would play exactly. I don't know if it would be K-State or Oklahoma State, whoever. I don't know. It, it, they're in. That's all that matters. Um, and, you know, from what I've heard, I mean, people around the program would rather see OSU than Texas. And it's not from a case of like, oh, we're scared of Texas. It's because they want that get back on OSU, and rightfully so, and to do it on that big stage. So, uh, who can blame them for, the, for that? The next scenario is Texas loses to Tech and Iowa State beats K-State. Now, I don't I don't think that happens. I don't think that it, it's a harder scenario for Oklahoma, but it... By the way, I think I said Texas beats Tech again. I meant Texas loses to Tech. Um, and then Iowa State has to go to Manhattan for that game, so... Uh, this is a scenario that I highly doubt happens. Scenario one is more than likely the case uh, for Oklahoma and OSU has been up and down since Bedlam. I mean, I don't know how many of y'all watched the Iowa state game. I'm sorry, the Houston game, but they almost lost that game. They should have lost that game, but they just, they found a way. And uh, I, I don't know what Houston's problem. Is. Well, they've just, they're just not very good on offense. I mean, they, Quarterback fell flat on his face uh, in the second half of that game. Um, And then as far as like bowl game and all that stuff, as it stands right now, I think the feeling, if Oklahoma doesn't make the Big 12 championship, is that they return to the old Cheez-It Bowl, which is now the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Uh, And, you know, look, Pop-Tarts Bowl champion, (laughs) that just... Hey, it's it's progress, I guess. Uh, and they would play an a they would play an ACC team in that game, so you very well could have an Oklahoma Clemson matchup. I mean, you know, you never know. Uh, but that is a possibility if Oklahoma doesn't make the Big Twelve Championship. Um, Alamo Bowl is obviously out there and up for play, and that would happen if they don't make a New Year's Six Bowl. The way Oklahoma makes a New Year's Six Bowl obviously is win the Big Twelve Championship. I mean, that's that's how it's going to have to go. Um, either it's win it or make it. I believe it's they just have to make it because yeah that's right you just have to make it to the big 12 championship and they should be set for a new year six bowl and this year's new new year six bowls are uh what are they again i think the the big 12s would be the fiesta bowl the cotton bowl or the peach bowl so i'd be all in for the cotton bowl i mean you you get to go down to dallas for that and uh, I know the projection was out there earlier in the week that they would have to, or that Tulane is a possibility to be their opponent. So um, now another weird thing that is kind of out there with like the New Year Six Bowl thing is, and this is a credit to uh, uh, George Stoya of Cinescoop.com, who I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, George Stoya of Cinescoop.com who's also been on the show before. Make sure you guys go check that out. Uh, anyway, uh, kind of talked about how it would get a little bit wonky if Oklahoma is in the race for a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, and he kind of wrote it out in the sense of, like, if a Big 12 team makes the college football playoffs, so Texas would be the favorite in that case. 
the Big 12 is not guaranteed a bowl bid in the New Year's Six Bowl. So uh, even if Oklahoma makes it, like they very well could not compete for a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, they would obviously have to be a little bit higher in the polls. So you would need a Missouri to lose this week. You would need a Louisville to, to lose this week, a Penn State to lose, and an Ole Miss to lose. Now, Ole Miss should not lose this week. They've got Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl. Mississippi State's obviously uh, going through a lot right now after you know firing their head coach and everything. So uh, Ole Miss should win that game pretty comfortably. And that game's actually in Starkville, I think. So maybe not. I don't know. Uh, Penn State. I'm not. Let me let, let let's check on this. I I'm not even sure who. They, okay, so never mind that. Louisville's got. I'm sorry. Penn State's got Michigan State this week. That's that's an easy win for them. Louisville's got Kentucky. They should win that game. And then uh, Mizzou's got Arkansas. They should win that game too. So. Pretty much, it's going to be hard because uh, none of these teams should lose this week. Now, you never know, but Arkansas, and that game's in Fayetteville, but Arkansas is just, I don't, they've had a weird season. I mean, I don't i don't know what's going on with them. Uh, Louisville, like I said, they should, they should handle Kentucky pretty well. Uh, but then again, you never know. They might have their mindset on the ACC championship game already. Michigan State's awful, so Penn State should run them out of the stadium, and then Mississippi State's. Uh, not great either. So, um, yeah, that makes things a little bit tough on getting a New Year's Six Bowl. Now, again, that's in the case of if, say, a Texas was to make the college football playoff. But pretty much as it stands right now, I mean, I would say that you know, or no, obviously we know the fate of what happens by Saturday of uh, who's in the Big 12 championship and who's not because the game is also next week. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But, um. To kind of cap things off, I just wanted to address this real quick because I, I put out a question sticker on the Instagram account, just like letting y'all ask questions about whatever the heck y'all wanted to know. And uh, some people asked about Jeff Levy and like if there's any legitness, if that's a word, the possibility of him um, taking the head coaching job at Mississippi State or, you know, whatever other jobs are out there. And, and listen, it's weird because, I mean, Mississippi State, I get, you know, he's got some connection to the state of Mississippi. Uh, obviously, Zach Selman, the athletic director there, was the uh, deputy athletic director at Oklahoma. He was involved in the process of uh, hiring Brent Venables and his staff as well. So he he knows and has a connection with Jeff Levy. Um, listen, I would say this, what I think this is not like somebody's told me this. What I personally think is that Levy gives it one more season at Oklahoma because I think the other thing is this. You know, Brent Venables kind of said this in his presser last week, and I'm going to try to quote this as best as I can, but he he basically said something along the lines of, don't just take a job to take it. Like, when you're an assistant and you've get... I mean, Brent Venables is the perfect example of that. This is a guy who was who was an assistant for, you know, years and had every opportunity to take a head coaching job somewhere, even before he left Oklahoma to go to Clemson. I mean, I I was four years old at the time, but I distinctly remember, I think he was up for the head coaching job at Miami uh, years and years ago when he was still the D coordinator at OU. I'm probably wrong, but I, I somehow remember that. Uh, shows you how big of a fan I am, by the way. But anyway, um, He's always had his hat in the ring 
for for big jobs. I mean, you know, he interviewed for Auburn a few years ago before they hired Brian Harson, I think. Um, but he is the example of that. Like nobody expected Oklahoma to come open, but it did. And that was the perfect job for him. And he ran to take that. Jeff Levy hasn't been in the college game for that amount of time. I mean, he, he's been in it, but I think he got back into it. I think after all the drama that happened at Baylor around like 2018, the thing is when he came back or 17, 18, one of those years, um, you know, and this is a, this is a case in Oklahoma where it's like, part of me feels like he's kind of learning on the job in a sense of he's coming from two schools where two coaches that really, quite frankly, called their own place. Uh, Josh Heupel at UCF, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Now, Lane Kiffin said that Levy called the shots. As much as I want to believe that, I mean, Lane Kiffin was also walking around with a, you know, with a laminated paper in his hand, a paper, good Lord, a play call sheet and, you know, looking like he was calling plays on the sideline. So this is probably Levy's like first time having full control of an offense. And, or that seems to be the case. So look, I think he'd be a really good head coach at a, you know, say a, say a program like maybe a Houston who should have a coaching change by the end of the year too. Uh, Cause those fans are getting upset. Um, you know, a Houston or a, 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 a below average power five school. Maybe a group of five. I don't know. Uh, the problem, the other problem is, as I mentioned, obviously the whole thing that happened at Baylor and the thing that happened earlier in the year after the SMU game, that's some baggage. And I don't know if, you know, schools are going to be comfortable with that right now. I mean, it's probably going to take time. Again, the, the situation happening this season kind of screws things up a little bit in a sense. And I think that a lot of ADs would have a lot of questions if that was the case. So I don't think Levy's taking a head coaching job this year. I mean, I, I doubt that happens. I think he remains at Oklahoma for a year with Jackson Arnold running the show uh, and then goes from there. Now, the other question people have is like, would Jackson Arnold leave if Jeff Levy was to? I, I don't think so. Again, not sourced information, just just my wishful thinking. Because I think Arnold is very invested in this program with the relationships he's built, uh, with the people he's gotten to know. I mean, goodness, he's got his old high school teammate here. Like, there's a lot here at Oklahoma for Arnold to stay with. And this is his this is his show next year. Like, no doubt about that. So uh I don't think that the grass would be greener. And um I don't feel like that would be the case. Now, as far as like Kevin Sperry's and all that stuff, I don't know. That's thinking way too far ahead and this is all just hypothetical stuff this is just talk because i know people have asked uh you know is any is any movement going to happen and to me i don't think so now obviously that's stuff that i would have to check on and everything but uh, we'll see how that plays out but anyway uh, oklahoma tcu coming up this week on black friday at 11 a.m uh you know i i think it's going to be a weird atmosphere i mean it's thanksgiving a lot of students are out of town. Um, 11 a.m. kick. So I don't expect it to just be like a rocking environment for senior night, which sucks. And, you know, it's terrible. I mean, I don't know if that's on. I don't know if that's the Big 12's fault. I don't know if that's 
the TV network's fault, but better yet, let's just blame the Big 12. Let's let's just blame them for everything, right? Uh, but yeah, um, last one at the Palace this weekend. Uh, could be the last one for a long time if Oklahoma doesn't make it to the Big 12 championship. And uh, we'll figure out the fate and, and the direction of all that. Uh, we'll try to keep things updated here on the podcast as uh, scheduling opens up and gets a lot better. And uh, we'll try our best to get a lot of things pumping up. And if we do have a pretty long gap until the Sooners play another football game, uh, we'll see if we can get some guests in here to join us for some conversation and things of that nature. So, um, you know, listen, I know that, and this is going to be kind of my last little thing in tangent. I know I do one of these probably every episode just to kind of keep things afloat. Look, Oklahoma sits at nine and two right now and 10 wins is on the horizon this weekend. Um, And even if, even if it is nine and three that they end with, I take this season as a success because before the season, we talked about this a lot. We talked about nine, 10 wins going into the SEC. It's what you need because if you have another year like last year, then you got to burn it all to the ground. But you win nine games, you win 10 games, you possibly get a Big 12 championship under your belt. It's a successful season. And even if you don't, if you go 10 and two and maybe you end up playing in the, the Pop-Tarts Bowl or the Alamo Bowl, whatever the case may be. You put yourself on track for an, for 11-2, and two, get a bowl game win under your belt, keep everything intact. You've got a lot of hope for next season. Uh, I know a lot of people want to talk about like Danny Stutzman and, and Billy Bowman coming back, which you know I think that happens from a sense of, I just feel like those guys would want to rally the troops going into the SEC. And uh, they are the anchors and the cornerstones of this OU defense. And this is a topic for another day, but like this defense has a chance to be really special next year if those guys come back. And I, they obviously know that. So I would do everything in my power to keep those guys in Norman for next season. But uh, look, to me, things are looking up. I mean, I know the last few weeks have been shaky, minus West Virginia. The last few weeks for this program have been shaky. They haven't been great. They haven't been what we expected. But Brent Venables has an opportunity to get 10 wins in his second season as a head coach. You know, I mean, the big debate this past week was Steve Sarkeesian getting 10 wins for the first time in his career as a head coach. He's been a head coach for years. You know, I'm trying to bash Sarkeesian at all. I mean, I actually slowly kind of like the guy. I think he's doing a great job at Texas and he's going to. Uh, but but um, for Venables to get 10 wins under his belt in his second season, you know, running a program in a place like Oklahoma, that's great for him. And it's really good progress from where they were last season. So, um, and look, there's obviously things that he's got to get better at. There's things that, you know, coordinators got to get better at. Like, we're not questioning that at all. But um, just to kind of end that whole tangent, I just think that regardless of what happens, this year was a success for Oklahoma. And uh, it's it's better than I think some of us really expected. So now I say that, and then, you know, the Texas game happened. So whatever. Anyway, uh, thank you all for listening, man. Make sure you guys uh, share the episode, share the podcast with your family and friends, do all that thing. Uh, yeah, by the way, it's Thanksgiving week, too. I didn't even mention that. So, yeah, for sure. Share the show with your your families and, um, you know, everyone that you're going to be around. Make sure you all enjoy this week. Uh, be be grateful for uh, the blessings. The ble- oh, my gosh, I can't talk. Be grateful for the blessings that you guys have uh, with your families this week. And if you don't have that opportunity, man, just, uh, you know, enjoy some fellowship with friends or whatever the case may be, man. Just just enjoy the uh, uh, the fruits of, of what of life this week and, and be grateful for that. Um, 
you know, I hope you guys know that I'm, 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 I'm extremely grateful for every single one of you that listen to the podcast that maybe if, even if you hate the podcast, I love you too. I, I'm just extremely grateful for everyone who uh, has been on this journey for student sports daily and has helped a young kid like me from Norman, uh, make a name up in these streets. And I appreciate y'all, uh, immensely. I mean, I, I can't, I can't even begin to explain it. So, uh, Thank you guys once again, man. Enjoy the week. Hope to see you guys on Friday. Be there. I mean, I know I say it might be a snooze fest, but it's the last Big 12 game on Owen Field. So be there or be square. Enjoy your time. Tell you for listening to the Blitz Media and Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter.